You're listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. Tennille, our mum, and Emma, her awesome friend, share deep passion for the snow. They started a podcast together to share all their experiences with you. Between them, they have skied over 95 resorts, both held ski instructor qualifications, lived and worked in resorts, and still spent every hard-earned dollar skiing. They set their lives up around snow travel, and our ski bags are always packed, ready to go. We're certainly not complaining about this, are we? No way. And even better, we get to share all the experiences. How are you going? Good, Emma. How are you? Yeah, great, thanks. So we have with us Cohen, Benny Fall from, well, from Victoria, and going to chat with us today all about Hotham because we're from New South Wales and don't know a single thing about Hotham, actually. And so we're going to pick your brain about everything and also ask you what you do and what's coming up. Never been. Never been to Hotham, so it's kind of very, very cool. Um, Emma and I met you at um, the Warren Miller movies when we were doing, well, we were actually doing a little bit of promo stuff and then we got to (laughs) do a bit of introduction stuff, which was kind of cool. That was amazing. Um, But, yeah, so tell us where you're at, Cohen, and what you do for Adventure Entertainment at this time. Um, so I currently live in Janjuk down the surf coast in between adventures um, and I work for Adventure Entertainment as a, a tour manager in their film tours. And as you mentioned, my major project is the Warren Miller Tour at the moment, uh, which I got into through one of my sponsors, Arcteryx. They just they needed someone to help with presenting the tour and and getting up on stage and then met the guys through that and and it sort of just rolled in from there um, yeah. and how many tours do you do a year for like the moment, well it's, it's technically really only supposed to be one but since winter it's sort of rolled into three now i've just finished off the back end well i guess four this year um we ran a small tgr tour so teton gravity research from Jackson um, and realised that October, November is probably the wrong time to be running winter film tours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got off off the ground nonetheless and we've just finished a mountain bike film tour, Nothing's for Free, that's a retrospective uh, look back at the history of freeride mountain biking. Um, Now well and truly in planning mode for Warren Miller, which kicks off in May. and then we'll likely have a hand in in mountain film tour as well. But across mm. the across the company, we've got seven film tours. I think we've yeah seven film tours within the business and six adventure magazines and um, online streaming platform uh, in Australia. And then overseas, we have a, a couple of film tours that play in the UK and the US as well. So busy mm. business. That mm-hmm. is huge. That is huge. So do you travel everywhere with these tours or just you're the Australian person? Just the Australian person, yeah. And and to be fair with you, the model we work with is working with local community members and retailers and to find hosts in locations, hence how we met the both of you. And um, we try and make every screening as local as we possibly can and give the audience to... Yeah, a, a local brand, business influencer, someone that would like to interact with their local community, be it the ski community, the mountain bike, the climbing, mm-hmm. um, which saves me a lot of travel time. But I generally, with the Warren Miller tour, do the whole eastern seaboard and then hand off the rest of the tour from there. Yeah. And so, what's, 
What's your background, your personal background, professional background? Um, I, well, I've been a professional skier for 15 years and, and traveling and following winters and along the while um, did a business marketing degree while I was on the road remotely and uh, and then have just sort of slowly rolled that into my professional life. Um, I've been the director of a free ride program at Mount Hotham for the last three years and been a head coach there for another seven or so. Um, and then just little bits and pieces on the side, uh, making ski films, um, you know, never really diving too deeply into a career per se. I never really liked the idea of a career. Um, I like the idea of being able to travel and explore and take on new things that I think that is good. a career, isn't it? it, it I guess that's it's definitely a career. A career. <laughs> it's becoming a career. It took me mm. a long while as I approached 30, that magical age of 30, where you think you're not affected by it, especially in my line of work, but you definitely are. And I took a long, long while to come to the understanding that you know what I do actually does have merit and it is a career and it and it just because it's fun doesn't mean it's not serious at the same time um, it's um I think the internet's had a big influence like that you can really carve out you know including freelance and you know content creation and all this stuff it's all wrapped into one it does seem quite fun and if we're not dressed up and going to an office it can feel <laughs> a bit like a, it's a, a bit cheeky but um yeah it's valid I think I think the schooling system has a lot to play in it too. I remember being in high school and was quite academic in school and felt as though that I had to go from there into, you know, a, a high scoring university degree and then into a career and onto a job and and that was just the way it had to flow. And it it was very distinct in my mind leaving school. And then I started traveling and meeting people of all ages from all parts of the world and realizing that that's not how the world flows for everyone and yeah all these other things that you can do and just had this intuitive feel that what I was doing as a skier was one really enjoyable but it just had this like sense of home to me I guess I just felt felt seen so explain the free ride community for us that you were a part of for 15 years and how you actually did get into it and survived for 15 years as a free rider that's a that's it that's an astounding astonishment in itself really <laughs> that you weren't injured um <laughs> you know it's like yeah tell us about that well like I said it was it was an intuitive thing for me I I took off and went to Canada I finished school in 2009 and and the Vancouver Olympics were on and had always wanted to go and watch the Winter Olympics I'd seen this been to the Sydney Olympics as a little kid and so just set my sights on that and and saved up some money and travelled and spent the season in Canada um, post-Olympics and sort of fell in love with it there. Planned to come home, do a season um, at Hotham, which is my home resort, and then do another season overseas and then fly home and knuckle back into university. And they got to February, you know, the, the year following and was in Canada and um, I didn't have any money for a flight change fee, but I was really enjoying what I was doing and called mum and dad and said, hey, um, that physiotherapy degree that I was planning on coming home for, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I think I'm going to stay over here. It's really enjoyable. <clears throat> I, I had the trump card that I was on the other side of the world and no one could physically move me. 
Um, and oh, yeah, the winner. <laughs> Come get me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good luck. <laughs> no, my, my parents trusted me, I guess, and 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 really thankful for that. Um, and yeah, I guess it just sort of rolled from there. I, I, I say I had no money, but I had cash flow. I had a job that made me about five hundred dollars a week if I was lucky, um, which was enough to pay rent and a piece of bread and Whistler. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it naturally just happened from there. I guess I had a that was probably you know the last really good winter in in Whistler. I think I remember it being the second snowiest winter on record, and I think it still holds. Um, and and maybe if it had been a really shocking winter, it would have been a whole different story. But um, that set me alight. Uh, the That's so true, isn't it? Because it does play a big part. Because there is no snow, the feeling in villages is pretty average like mm-hmm. around a snow town you kind of like okay what do we do it's uh like you know kind of groundhog day where you just go let's go ski a groomer again but if you're a free ride person and you've got fresh snow every day you're like game on yeah yeah no and and, and you might want to just like buzz about bri- it. briefly just um define what is a free ride skier in what? case people listening and don't know what it is well, I guess freeride skiers is, is a very broad term. In in Europe, I remember they call it the off-piece skiers. You're either an on-piece skier or you're an off-piece skier. But um, freeride, I guess, is is letting your own expression play out on the hill, skiing any kind of terrain, but I guess technically is, you know, more leaning towards the steep, steep terrain um, with features, that kind of stuff. What you see, I guess... The pinnacle of being, you know, the heli skiing you see in ski movies, mm. um, but it's everything between, you know, leaving, leaving the groomer in Australia and skiing the coral reef ice that's off to the side to skiing pow in Japan and Alaska and 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 everything in between. Yeah, um, the, the 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 competition side of it um, is, you know, one gate at the top, a start gate and a finish gate at the end with um with features in between cliffs um yeah cliffs wind lips whatever anything in between that you can jump off and you got to pick your own line around or or over these features and make it to the bottom on your feet i guess would be more the technical term of of free ride Mm. um but yeah i i like to think of it as a self-expression rather than anything else Mm. Well, we really want to ask you about your um, free ride camps. Maybe we'll keep that to the end. But let's jump into Hotham. Mm. Uh, so we're, Tanil and I, dying to go there. We've tried to go there a couple of times, with, but with COVID, you know, we're yeah. sort of angry there. But um, we want to know everything. Like, how do you get there? Where is it? How does it compare? Let's start um, with it. So... It's in the northeast of Victoria, um, up in the hills around Bright. So from New South Wales, I guess you access via the Hume and then come in through the Kiwa Valley or you can come in straight through um, Myrtleford, Bright, Harrietville. Um, I I quite like it because it's it's got one of the gnarliest roads I've ever driven anywhere in the world when it's on you know when when it's blowing sideways and and snowing, mm. which adds a little bit of a dickhead filter to the mountain. I reckon it's, it's <laughs> I love you make, it. if you make it, you can stay there. Um, but no, it's it's quite it can be quite a hairy drive up along the Harrietville side. It's nestled right next to Mount Feathertop, 
um, and you've got Mount Bogong sort of in view as well. But it's unique. It's one of only, and I, I could be completely wrong on this number, but I've been quoted before, one of only six resorts in Australia that actually sits on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So all the accommodation sits on top and you ski down for your first run in the morning rather than lining up at a lift line, which is the bane of your existence when the weather's horrible, but it's the most beautiful place to be when it's clear skies. You get these yeah. amazing sunrises and sunsets. Um, you can walk a very short walk up to the top of any of the lo- local hills, you know, top of the oh, like on side country or even like even closer, like um, Mount Higginbotham sits like right in the middle of the village, and you can climb to the top of that. And then Little Higgy sits a little further down, you can climb to the top of that, and you've just got views 360 degrees, and you get these epic pink sunsets. Mm. Um, so that is very cool. That's amazing. So- is yeah. it a beginner hill? If you're a beginner, would you go? If you ask Vale, yeah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. If you yeah. ask, if you ask me, I've I've been teaching skiing there for fifteen years. Absolutely not. But yeah. there is beginner terrain. Yeah. Um, the problem. How much? Is, how much beginner terrain? Like, are they one day? <laughs> you've got the summit, which is quite a, a big area, and. Like it would rival the beginner terrain, you know, maybe not the whole entire of, say, Friday Flats. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, you can't really compare to Perisher because it's different terrain. But yeah. you've, you've got an, a large area. It's just that it's on the summit, which means that if there's any weather, it's right in the middle of it. Oh, um, and then the you've beginner's got the nightmare. Big, you've got the Big D for kids, which is a great little haven for kids skiing. Um but you don't have that big open plain flat groomer terrain. Yeah. yeah. The- so the progression. So if you learn how to stop and turn, it's a big jump from that to the next level at Hotham. Yeah. There's, so there's a um, the summit sits above the road. It's the only the summit and Big D are the only two lifts that sit above the road. And there's a a bridge that comes from the summit across the road into into the valley and. Yeah, it's like it's a big deal. If you make it over the bridge, you're you're doing pretty good. But it rolls from you know flat, open, wide, green terrain into you know a steep blue, I guess. And yeah, wow. Most people just work it out, but yeah, um, yeah it's it, it can be intimidating. I I quite often feel for the people that I'm teaching in level one lessons that have never done it before, and probably even worse, there's not really many flats, so. Most most people's first experience with learning how to turn is on a they got to ride a T bar and or a Pommer, sorry, and it's it's like fairly it's it'd be like steep blue terrain. That's why Australians are great skiers. It's like okay, yeah. you got no choice. Yeah. <laughs> you got to balance or you die. No, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. and, it's, and it's raining and it's sideways wind. <laughs> I often wonder why people ever come back to this sport. You know, I, yeah. I think it was innate for me. I grew up doing it, but. Um, for those that test it out at my age and go, oh, let's take the whole family skiing for the weekend and you get just one of those horror windows and, <laughs> and you come true. out the other end like the whole car is just steaming with, you know, moisture from your gear and you're driving the five hours back to Melbourne, you're like, that was awesome, let's go do that again. <laughs> we, just spent, we just spent, you know, six months worth of savings and got belted by rain for the weekend. I, I think that's a great idea, let's do that again. Yeah, well, we all do. There's a million of us that do, which is bizarre to me too, but God love us. 
we're a robust breed, I think. <laughs> we are. We are. Um, so if you were to come in, could you would you fly? Would you say drive from New South Wales or would you go fly Victoria, hire a car, go up if you're gonna go that way, is there? Like or just yeah, way too I, hard. That just sounds too complicated on top of everything else. I hear but. I hear both happening. I like I like to take a lot of gear with me when I go skiing. I would probably drive. I think it's I think it's like a a 10 hour drive from Sydney. Oh yeah. So it's a fair whack. Um I know quite a few families from Brisbane do fly to Melbourne and then drive up, but it's five hours from Melbourne. So it's a long way. Yeah, and if you add in, you know, travel time, getting on a plane and you, yeah. you're more or less in the, the same spot. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a long drive. And even from Mel even from Melbourne, five hours on a Friday night, it's like I guess Sydney to Threadbone. Yeah. Um, but the last hour can can turn into two hours if the road's no good. So Yeah. And you get the weekend warriors that are just tragic on the road that just overtake and put everyone in danger scares the shit out of me but yeah 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 (laughs) can can you explain um i know that the two times we tried to go there we got as far as booking accommodation and the parking and then we had to cancel it both times but um can you explain they've got a bit of an unusual parking situation don't they um you explain a bit more about that to my to my knowledge my experience was that i had to book ahead for the season and there was a limited amount of parking, which I actually thought, given that we come from New South Wales, I actually thought that was a great idea. Um, can you speak a bit more about that? It's So it's not limited in the sense that you, you just can't come on the hill if there's an uh, – at Falls Creek they do shut the road. Um, Hotham we do have multiple other parking options but they just end up being further and further away from the resort. So they run a they run a shuttle bus system, a free shuttle bus system that's run by the RMB that runs nonstop. And I think now it runs until 2 a.m. or something, um, which is a really handy system because the whole resort's strung out along the road. But the day car park, they're just building a new day car park right at the top of Heavenly Valley, which would be the first one you'd come across. It's a multi-level but it's been, you know, in the works for three years now and they just can't seem to get the concrete to dry. Um, but then they've got a, another day car park right at Hotham Central, which, you know, on a on a good morning, if you're there later than 7.30, you won't get a, a park in either of those two. And then you just get parked along the road all the way down towards Dinner Plain. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much there's not enough room you got to pay for a pass you do it online it's all done by you know computers and whatever but um it's more that you just won't get a park and you may end up parking you know five k's down the road and then have to wait for the bus sounds like perisher yeah yeah to be honest with you i don't think it's quite as bad as perisher yeah And you don't get the same long, you know, one and a half hour queue that you do to get into Parisha. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to leave? If you were to stay at dinner planes, would you have to leave? Like if you stay in Jindy and Parisha, you have to leave at six in the morning. That's it, to to get a park in the car park. Yeah. Same at dinner planes, you have to leave at six or not uh, really? It's only half an hour drive up, so 7 o'clock you'll have a car park. Okay, yeah, different. Not yeah, too bad. Not as and if, and- dinner planes only 10K or 11Ks away. And oh. is dinner plane, I've seen, I haven't. 
looked at the accommodation there because I wanted to stay on on snow at Hotham. But explain a bit more about that. Is that sort of like, you know, would you recommend staying there? Is that is that so? It's shuttle bus accessed. Uh, yeah, I'd hundred percent stay there. It's okay. it's a beautiful little village. It's out of the weather. Um, the the uh, there is a bus system. It ch- seems to change every year quite how that bus system rolls. I'm pretty sure if you've got a seasons pass, the bus is free. Um, mm-hmm. But I could be completely making that up. When I lived down there, it was, uh, and they and they give a staff pass. But it's it's like it's a 15 minute drive maximum um you know and it's it I quite like it I lived down there for a few seasons because you get down there at the end of the day and you get out of the weather and it's like a little bit warmer down there but you're just out of the weather you know living on the mountain as nice as it is to get the sunrise and sunsets you you just are constantly beaten up by the weather. You can't get away from your house. You can hear the wind whistling. Like it's just nonstop. We haven't got onto the other Victorian resorts yet and we won't today, but would you say I was just getting this picture of like a romantic weekend for two skiers, like battered with like snow and everything. Is it is it just because the particularity of it being up the top there? Is there possibly other resorts you'd take your girlfriend or fiance or something in that way yeah i hotham's not hotham's not known for its resort it's not you know it's not um you know i compare it i guess to the other victorian resorts buller and falls who have these beautiful or even threadbow i guess who have these beautiful little villages nestled out of the wind mm-hmm. that's a plane um you know if you wanted if you wanted something like that but in saying that you know you you get the luck of the draw the weather's good the top of hotham is spectacular the most romantic spot you could ever go i guess but it's not it's not it's not nestled out of the wind by any means Um, yeah that's interesting yeah because it's you know you can get it so right and get it so wrong with a holiday can't you like you know if you it's yeah (laughs) It, it sounds like a perfect spot to have a holiday potentially if you have got your head around other ski holidays already and you've sampled other places first and you're ready to take on Hotham? Yeah. Uh, Hotham seems like the reason why Emma and I want to ski Hotham is because we feel it's a skier's, snowboarder's mountain. Like it's it's going to be some of the steepest terrain we can ski in Australia, I guess, is why we've Mm. that's the that's the anticipation for us to go there or is that is that true is are they short runs are they steep runs like I think that sums it up well it it, it's it's steep it gets steeper so it just rolls into the valley from where the accommodation is and just gets steeper and steeper until it hits the valley bottom Mm -hmm. um and you've just got access it's all in big gullies so it's not big open face say like Perisher Mm -hmm. or Threadbow um, it's all sort of contouring terrain and some really interesting places to ski. There's not much that isn't double camber, you know, falling yep. one way or the other. Yeah. Um, That's interesting skiing. It's amazing <laughs> like, skiing. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm biased. I've called it home, you know, for 15 years and it was the first hill that I ever skied in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found similar terrain at, at Buller. 
and you know little big little sort of nooks and crannies at, at Threadbow that have the same sort of steepness, but probably not quite. Yeah. Um, and I love steep skiing. I like that feeling of falling um, while you're skiing. So for yeah, me, it's it, it's home. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a skier's hill. And it has that vibe to it too. You know, there's not the, you don't get many of the showy families that come there just to be on the scene. It's, it's mm-hmm. more like that you're there for a reason. Would you kind of compare it with the Revelstoke of Australia? Would you say it's the Revy yeah, of Australia? Yeah, I guess Australia? if you're comparing, you know, apples if you're comparing, apples. say, you know, Whistler's a hard one because their terrain is just, they, everything about it is amazing except it is just bustling. But if you were to compare the busyness um, and the culture, then sure, yeah, it, it's that sort of, it's a little off the beaten path. Um, it's not as accessible and the skiing is, you know, more for the diehards than it is for the beginners. What's the the upraise ski scene like? Oh, you know, it's it's, it's like anywhere. It's great. It's, um, you you don't have many restaurants on the hill, but you don't need to because the accommodation's on the hill. But there's, you know, four or five really nice bars right at the top of the hill um, that, you know, you, you can skate, skate to at the end of your day um there's there's the snowbird that is now owned by vale that has a nice deck that looks over towards the sunset um you've got a european apres bar and zerkis um and peter zirknitz still floats around the place um that's so cool so you can go to schnapps there there's a more modern style cocktail bar downstairs um owned by a couple of locals from bright that do you know it's sort of asian fusion style restaurant at night time um mm-hmm. and and great cocktails during the day so there's there's so options and then you've got enough to get you through the week kind of thing like a week's worth of sounds amazing yeah 100%, 100%. <laughs> yeah yeah it still has that for sure um you know and, and then you've got the general store which you know, as your bread and butter, it's a it's a year round working pub, so you get that sort of country pub feel, um, which is fantastic. So is that is that stocked, is the general store stocked out enough that you can turn up and do your week shop there, or or, is it, or like your your bread and grab your butter and stuff? Depends what the limit on your credit card is, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going skiing, you're going to pay twenty seven dollars for butter. Yeah, if you're up on the hill, not far off the mark. I reckon it's it's not. It's not cheap. You definitely want to do your shopping in the local towns. You definitely want to be planned out. It, it, the price can definitely get up there. There's a there's a slightly better supermarket down Dinner Plain, but you pay mountain tax for the delivery. Oh wow! So where where do you do your supermarket shopping if you're In, in Bright? Right. Okay. They've got like a big. Woolies or something. They've got a Woolworths. They've got an IGA. Um, so and yeah. where do you get your rentals? Like, to if you need a rent, there's there's a big rental shop. Hotham Sports has a big rental shop on the hill in Hotham Central, and then there's a couple of smaller outfits. Snow Monkey down at Jack Frost do rentals. There's a couple of small rentals places down in in Dinner Plain. Um, so you can you, you, everything's sorted for you. You can. Show up with nothing and, and be on snow in the morning if you want to. Oh, um, and what's it, the what's the price of the tickets? Is it like yeah. same? Who knows? It's a bail. It's a bail day pass, I guess. You're, okay. you're better off getting an epic pass if you're going to be there for. I think it's 
break evens probably like five days now, even less. Yeah. You're better off just buying an Epic Pass and having full access. So are uh, we going to travel with kids under five or are we going to wait to go to Wholesome until the kids are like teenagers, kind of honestly, 10 year olds? Kids beginners, there's plenty for them. They've got their pretty much their own little lift. Big mm-hmm. D is is sort of the kids' playground. It's where the kids' ski school is. It's one lift, two runs. One's an easier sort of green run and the other one's sort of a, a green leading into a blue. Um, and I, like, have very fond memories of being dropped off there as a kid, although I hated being at ski school. The the playground of the Big D was awesome. It had had just about everything. There's even a little cliff that you can jump off. And um, <laughs> and as, as a ski instructor, working down there was great fun because you're sort of away from everyone else. I guess, like, Friday flats down at, you know, at the bottom of it, at Threadbow, you sort of got your own little haven to teach skiing there. Um, yeah. So, no. Plenty of good skiing for kids, and and it's an adventure. You don't really need to, um, I don't know. As an instructor, you're not you're not really ha- having to spend a heap of time focusing on the technical aspects of skiing. You've got this sort of amazing hill to just take kids places. And the terrain like, will teach them, won't it? Go yeah, through exactly, exactly. Yeah. Just take them new places, and just the fact that you got to traverse to get to there, or you've got to take this cat track that winds and it's narrow. Kids learn pretty quickly. Yeah, do you know? Do you know? It's funny. Um, Tanil and I will make no bones about saying that we're not females that are into like jewelry or fast cars or whatever. But we both have this fantasy about like getting a helicopter from New South Wales and going to Hotham. We've we've looked at, we've looked into it a couple of times, haven't we? We've gone, we did just to do a day trip. Yeah, <laughs> a day helicopter. trip. But I, think they, I think they filmed a little. They filmed a little project uh, potentially with Tora Bright a few years ago where they tried to ski New South Wales and Victoria and surf in the same day. I, I, I oh, could completely yes, misquoting it, but it's it's out there somewhere because um, I remember they showed up and maybe Scotty James came as well and they took the heli because they do a heli link between Falls and Hotham. Yep. So you can, you can jump ship for the day. And you can do um, it. You can do it. Um, Perisher and Ginderbine to Hotham as well. Because I, I'm pretty sure. Got yeah, a price on it. There is an airport at Hotham too. Now it's not as functional as it used to be. There used to be regular Qantas links going up there. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it was a safety thing or you know just wasn't getting the numbers that they need. But I I do have a few families in the club that I coach who. Every now and then they've got a friend who's a pilot will fly up there for the weekend. Mm. Uh, and I've had friends before, a friend of mine from school who's a pilot, that they chartered a plane up there once. Mm. Wow. So it's definitely, definitely an option if you want to be in and out. But yeah, that's, that's sort of limited. fallen that's... off the, the wayside a little bit. It used to be used to used to hear about it a lot more, but not as much anymore. Mm. I think it's um it's a dream. It's a it lot is. of money. So if you want to make a movie on two mums, yes. like, yes. <laughs> adventure <laughs> entertainment, here we go. <laughs> no, <laughs> put it out there. Okay. <laughs> two, <laughs> two, one is, exactly, you can be our guide of Hotham. Exactly. <laughs> we'll guide you perish, huh? you guide us Hotham, sweet as. Yeah. Yeah, freaking scary Alpine Way. The closest I've ever been to Hotham is I had an Anzac Day at Bright. Oh, nice. town. Oh, my nice. God. Amazing. Yeah. That was actually a, a yeah. treat in itself. Anzac Day at Bright was um, incredible. That was so fun. 
It's yeah. gorgeous, especially that time of the year or even just after that time of the year as the leaves start to fall. It's like. It was, yeah. They, they So they get a problem down there come autumn when the leaves start to fall where the internet bandwidth disappears and it's because they get all these influences that come to town to take photos of the pretty leaves. So it's like its own season. You think, you know, winter, summer, it's a mountain town both have their merits, but no, autumn, all the Airbnbs get booked out and wow. you can't get Wi-Fi or you can't get telephone reception because there's just so many using taking up data. Yeah, mm-hmm. taking selfies with the leaf. <laughs> wow. No, we just happened to be there at that time. I don't know how it ended up, but oh, our kids were coming up with my mum and dad from around Australia, but, yeah, it was bloody beautiful. I was like, wow, the, the Australia does have four seasons and here it is in Bright. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, had Im- I had that impression as well. I've only been through Bright once, but it was same thing, Easter time, and I just went into the town and just went, oh, my gosh, the colours on the trees. I have never seen anything like it. And we've all travelled a lot, right? So that, yeah. that town is incredible. Yeah. Um, we um before we move on to asking you about your free ride camps, um, can you tell us where are the best runs or do we have to tell you you have to tell us after we stop recording? Oh well, I can't <laughs> I can't I can't tell you all my nooks and crannies, but no. Yeah. It, it's so most of the mountain is is leeward to a northwesterly wind, which is where we get most of our storms from. Similar to Threadbow, where you get these incredible wind blown days. But Gotcha Chair accesses the they call it the extreme zone. And look, it's there are plenty of options for black run skiers to get in there and have a really good time. It's just got a like a little creek run out the bottom. But anywhere along that ridge line, when it gets blown in, is just the most amazing skiing. I call it velvet carpet. It's like a, a windblown sort of carpet that you can ski and it fills in every run. Um, my my favorite my favorite zone is probably Gotcha Ridge into Lindsay's. There's some really cool terrain down there. Um, and then apart from that, I pretty much spend my entire life on Heavenly Valley chairlift. There's just so many options there um, and you can see everything from the lift and then you get to ski it. And the kids that I coach get sick of it because we just ski nonstop Heavenly Valley laps. But I don't know where else I'd want to ski, you know, like that's just, it's got everything you need. Yeah. It's It's just that main prominent chairlift. God, Um, Emma, how are we going to fit it in this year? Well, we've got the pass. Oh, yeah, we do have the pass. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. squeeze it somewhere. Well, you've got to do is book it and then you you don't have an option. That's yeah, true. Sorry. That's so true, actually. Yeah. Yes. We're going to get off this podcast and book it, Emma. Yeah. And you're, coming with, and you're coming with the family? For sure. Yep. You should look into one of the lodges. They do. There's a, we call it casserole country. The um, Down at sort of bus stop seven to bus stop eight, there's a whole link of, um lodges that you know some sleep up to a couple of hundred um but there's multiple different room options and then you've got a big communal living area and it it's a really nice way to spend a week or a weekend because you just get to interact with all these other families the kids can go off and play on their own there's a really safe area to play in the snow outside and um yeah that's, that's super that, cool that would be my recommendation I think that that's the real heart of the mm. Mount Hotham. It's not a it's not a an, an apartment hotel style resort. It's yeah. the lodges. Lodges. Like, well, like, a, like the club the lodges at Perisher. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes exactly. when you're looking at, at an area, like even like Botham, you look look at the map and you just go, where do we even start and what's good? And, yeah, that rings a bell. We we were booked during COVID and then we had to cancel, but somewhere along, it was along there somewhere and, it's, and we were looking at the map going, okay, that's near Jack Frost. Yep, yep. Everything yep. behind Jack Frost yep. there, Davenport area. Yeah. Um, casserole country. Yeah. I love it. Love a casserole. Mum's yeah, favourite. Mum's famous. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the magic packet. No. <laughs> you can have it. You can have it pre-prepared. You just bring it up already with the foil on, just ready to chuck in the oven. Yeah. You guys can go to Apre until six o'clock, roll yeah. home, dinner's ready in half an hour. Happy Perfect. Days. Oh, that's how kind of right up our alley. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so, well, can you? Um, uh, we won't keep you too long, but tell us about these free ride camps. Yeah. What are they? Who are they for? Um, yeah, I guess just a, a roll on of the passion. I guess um, been coaching at Hotham for a, a long time and um, have been trying to push my own professional career uphill for fifteen years, and there's not really much in in the way of guidance for a young person that wants to make a career out of skiing you know you you get told by everyone in the real world that you need to get a real job and what are you doing and it's very hard to legitimize yourself but um I guess through stumbling through the dark and and having a crack at it um we've now sort of got a pretty good idea of how you can make it in this world um and would would love to sort of pass that on um working cool. with the working with the club system for a number of years there seems to be a bit of a, a gap between kids that come through and run a club program until they're 14 uh and the gap between that and and actually making a career out of it so i've set out with two business partners both who are coaches at hotham one's uh runs the high school up at hotham as well to create Camps. I'm actually wearing the t-shirt higher free ride, but to create camps that are um, more about the extracurricular learning than they are about, you know, being a professional athlete. We, there's a real. And so, what do you mean by that? Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, the, uh, I think there's there's more lessons to learn as a skier from everything outside of the skiing than there is from the skiing itself. You know, the the social interactions, the travel, the you know the hardship that it takes to be able to to live a life like this that's uh, really interesting so you're i guess you send someone along what i'm hearing is that you send some you, you might send your late teen along and they're gonna get basically all of that that they don't have to learn the hard way yeah <laughs> it's like yeah learning through experience i yeah. guess is yeah. the underarching theme of it um yeah. rather than learning, you know, from a book or in a classroom or from someone doing it for you. Yeah. Um, and skiing's obviously the vehicle and skiing's the the sort of the driving force behind it all. But I guess if you think like a, we're inspired by schooling systems like Timbertop, you know, the year nine system where you you go away, you sort of live off the grid and, and learn how to stand on your own two yeah. feet, make your own decisions, uh, you know. The outcome of something like this would um, would be to be able to look back in 10, 15 years' time and and have an alumni of kids that have gone on to do amazing things in whatever industry that have been able to find the confidence within themselves to chase something that they really love and that they want to do. 
Um, and, you know, if they stay in the ski industry, a bonus. But um, the thing that I've learned the most out of chasing this career is that you're capable of anything and that you can take that anywhere. Uh, the truth. And, you know, skiing sort of taught me it, but, you know, mm-hmm. now I take it into what I do with adventure entertainment um, and, you know, really enjoy the fact that I've got this ability in me to make anything happen or at least I think I do anyway but yeah you do I agree with that actually the ski industry teaches so much resilience and so much patience like that you're never going to learn in a university degree you know like I was 10 years in the industry myself as a ski teacher and here I am teaching CEOs of Fortune 500 companies realizing that they're real people you know and then when you go into that real world because you meant to go back into it which I did (laughs) then you're like oh they're just normal people I can talk to them like I've seen them that they don't know how to ski or whatever you know it teaches you massive communication skills and how to live on supermarket food um trials well (laughs) (laughs) and both ends it's a it's a melting pot the ski industry of of cultures different personalities and yeah agreed agreed how do you plan to how do you plan to is it a semester thing like is it a do you so, come and you do a year or do you come and do, how's it work? We're, we're starting out with the bare bones. We're starting with what we know. We've all been coaching skiing for a, a number of years. So I run a camp or I've run a camp in the last two years in New Zealand in springtime in a place um, called Mount Olympus. Well, in the club fields, I guess, but we yep. go up there for a junior comp um, in September and we'll continue that going forward as well. Uh, but the main camp we're setting up is in Europe, in Austria, through January, six weeks through January, February. Yeah. This year we've actually got um, three athletes who will stay on until mid to late March who are competing to try and get it to the World Junior Championships. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we'll be on the road with them across Europe chasing competitions. So, you know, the, the base structure is is a ski camp of, you know, we're, we're trying to teach kids how to get better at skiing, um, I guess, is the underarching. And Do they get their instructor qualifications with you guys as well or are they just after the chase of the race? We would, we would help facilitate. Jake Woods, one of my business partners, is um, a level four examiner with the APSI as well. But yep. Not really where we're heading. We would okay. love to have kids roll through and become coaches with us in the future as an, as an option. Um, we'll, we'll take them through basic um, avalanche skills, uh, awesome. terrain reading. Um, as the camps grow, we'd, we'd hope to be able to bring in guides and take them in backcountry experiences. Do you know um, the guy that comes to Canada, does snow sports, Australia? He comes to Canada and does this. can't remember his name. Nice guy. He worked with some peaks. He's called Australian Snow Sports and he's based in Victoria. He might be based out of Buller, actually. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, definitely not from Hotham, I don't think. I know the APSI go and do courses in Japan. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure about him. But What's your camp called and how do people get in touch and how do they know if they're um, if it's for them? Uh, so we're an extension of the club system, more or less. So... We're not we're not teaching skiing. We're coaching skiing. So kids who are you know comfortable but confident on on just about all terrain, all the way through to double blacks that are, are looking to either either looking to dabble in in competition and look at free ride competition, 
or keen to start pushing their limits in terms of what terrain that they can ski um, and, cool. and keen to sort of push their fears, fear zone a little bit as well. Um, we're online, hirefreeride.com. So, sorry, uh, how do you spell it? H-I-G-H-E-R, higher. G-H-E-R, oh, higher, okay. Yeah, hirefreeride.com. Yep. And we're on Instagram at hirefreeride. Yeah. And we'll be, you know, sharing our journey this winter uh, as we're over in Europe. Yep. Um, and I guess if you if you're involved in a club system in Australia, you you'll be able to talk to your coach. They'll know of who we are. Yeah, um, that's awesome. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. you go around and sell yourself to Threadbow Ski Racing, or are you more free? Like, is there a free ride club? Like, so we're the club that I work for at Hotham. Um, Hotham Free Ski is a, a freestyle free ride club. Are you guys the only ones in Australia that do that? Like, I don't know if I've seen do, that in Croatia. They do specifically free ride. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, being an Olympic pathway now, slope style, freestyle, um, and moguls uh, are all well catered for, but free ride as a, as a category, not so much. Yeah. TR at Buller have a small free ride portion of their program. Hotham, we've got the Hotham Race Club and uh, or team hotham and then ourselves and we both have free ride programs because our terrain leads to it yeah yeah and then in, in, in thread i don't think there's much free ride based in in perisher but threadbow you've got threadbow race club but you've also now got uh i gotta remember the name of mountain academy i believe uh, yeah. Again, more slope style focused. So, would you would you think this is if someone's like traveling well this um, season and they're having a chat on the chairlift all over the world, this is something that is good for anyone all over the world to come to you at Hotham, or are you going to also run them? I mean, I know you're going to run them in in Europe, but like, are they going to be all the same? Are they going to be slightly different where you run them? Yeah, they'll be they'll be different for sure, just based on the terrain and where you're at. Um, the camp basis will be the same wherever okay. we are, but um, I w- we won't be running them at Hotham. There's a there's a great club system in Australia that caters for kids during the yeah. Australian winter, mm-hmm. and I'll just be coaching with them a little bit across across winter. Uh, but New Zealand in September, we head off over there for the junior comps because um, yeah. they have free ride junior uh qualifier comps that link in with the global system um, wow. so that's sort of the the first stepping stone you go from skiing at home there's a there's one freeride comp that's back up and running at, at threadbow though it hasn't run in the last couple of years because of conditions and we have a freeride comp at hotham and um buller is trying to get something off the ground but it's definitely the the most fast growing part of of the sport you you go to North America, you go to Europe, and most kids are now leaning towards free ride programs. But I guess it's the amalgamation of all of your skills. You, we ski a bunch of park. We we spend a bit of time on the groomers. All the skills have to come together. And, you know, traditionally it's the ex-ski racers that do well in these, in, in free ride. Uh, yeah. That's that the balance was, in the balls. Yeah, you got to <laughs> You have to know how to ski like that. You know, you've got to yeah. be able to do it all. That's uh, yeah. so. Yeah, no. The, 
the long and the short is no, they don't need to come to Hotham to do this. Um, there are programs all over the world. Yeah. Uh, Hotham Free Ski is a, is a great option if you were to go there. But as a starter, as a starter, exactly. Yeah. How old? How old are your kids? These youngest. Uh, 14, you? 14. 14. Yep. Okay. Through to 22. Lots of girls. Lots of girls getting involved too. Lots of girls getting involved. We're still early days. Our yeah. original game plan was to kick off business the end of next year. And then through interest from a few families, we sort of pushed it through and put out our programs in October. And so yeah. we're, we're running off very small amounts of marketing and we've got a very small program that we're going to take overseas. Yeah. Uh, but the, Perfect. That's how you start. Yeah, exactly. The camp in New Zealand, I'd say, would have been a 50-50 female-male cohort. Wow. We had 11 athletes over in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I think we're travelling to Europe with five sort of dotted across the season, kids in and out. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. Nice. Nice number. You can find how to work it out then, you know, if so. (laughs) Exactly. If they're not listening, they'll be your guinea pigs, but (laughs) no. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, kids, we're all we're all getting big for each other at some point. That's well, that's the ski industry. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how it is. And it's great how yeah. you know we're all in the same position where we're constantly talking to people over these last few years and seeing it just more, seeing that where the demands are and everything. It's really amazing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're gonna wrap up and um, ask you um, our last question. We ask all our guests which is where's your favourite place to ski in the world? Uh, for me, it has to be Jackson Hole, Wyoming, in the States. Yeah. Six winters there. Like I mentioned earlier, for me, it's about skiing steep terrain. I love that feeling of falling, and Jackson yep. is just that. It's one face um, and it's all steep. And the have access you, to Have you done the, um, what's what's the famous leap called? Ram. Corbett's, oh, the, the cool, the cool R. Yeah, have you done that? I have. Yep, I have, and I was lucky enough during my time in Jackson to be there when Kings and Queens of Corbett's first started up, and got to compete the first two years. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Holy That's that always blows. It blows me away seeing people jump off that. That's so yeah. cool. What was your thought about that kid that they the parents sent that kid off at like four years old? Did you see that? That scared the shit out of me. But no, have you seen that YouTube clip? The he he sort of like turned into it. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a local family though. The the dad's a ski patroller. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I think that's a fairly common story for kids that live in Jackson. It's like that's <laughs> the pinnacle. Yeah. I've just got to do everything I can to be able to go ski Corbett's. So. Yeah, I've, I've got a few friends that have, have probably skied it as young as that. Wow. wow! I guess it's like it's like you know, the dads around here pushing their kids off like massive waves or whatever. Going yeah, ox on the. So. I haven't had much luck when I've been to Jackson. It's been it's rained twice every time I've gone there, so I'm like, oh. How long did you go there for? Uh three days. Like oh, you each have time. to you have to go for at least two weeks there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was kind of like I was teaching skiing in Utah, so we got to race up and uh, race home, you know. Right, so it was like, right. Yeah, well, so pick your time. It's it's one yeah, of those I, the weather rolls in week cycles. So if you go for one week, you're either going to get it good or you're going to get it bad. You need to be there for two weeks so you can see both. Yeah, yeah. Two I was weeks. there for I was there for two weeks on my honeymoon. 
It's good. There you go. <laughs> anyway, well, well, hopefully we get to ski with you in uh, Totham this year, far out. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But we'll see you in May yep. <laughs> at the, at the yep. Warren Miller, which we always go to the start. It's an annual occurrence, isn't it, for us? M- M? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. We can't wait for Warren Miller. It marks the beginning of our um, ski season. Gets us excited. Well, twelfth of May. Twelfth of May, we're kicking off. Twelfth of May, game on, game yeah. on. God, I'm I'm about to head out to Canada in two weeks, so one nice. week, one week. So yeah, so I'm kind of like, okay, I'll do that season, and then twelfth of May, let's go, Australia, Hotham, yeah. okay, Casserole Corner, is it Casserole? What was it? Casserole, Casserole Country, Casserole <laughs> Country, yeah. And, you, and you'll fit right in if you show up and you're like, oh, I'm so glad to be staying Casserole Country. You'll get some head turns. Of like, oh, these. All right, we've got the lingo going. Got the lingo. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to meet you so you can shake it, take, show, show us immediately where we need to ski, so we don't waste time. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to show you guys around there. You'll, you'll love the place. Yeah, that'd be cool. Excellent. That'd be cool. Fingers crossed, we get some snow next year, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. that'd be nice too. Like, this year was a disaster, but anyway, what do you do? We were, we were due for it. We were due for a season in Australia like that. So, yeah. Yeah. all right. Well, thank you, Cohen. That was amazing. Really appreciate well, your thank time. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com au for more info and follow us on instagram and facebook at loving the snow life if you have any suggestions for topics or guests then email us on our website thanks to everyone who leaves a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts feel free to share our episodes on your social media